Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus and Vesta Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. And I'm speaking to you now in between, betwixt the eclipses. And that means the two weeks after the first solar eclipse and the two week period before the lunar eclipse, because we know the two week period either side of each of the eclipses, especially potent. And here we are, we've got the the crossover of the two week periods of both of these. So we're betwixt the eclipses. And so this is, this is, you know, challenging times. And we're after this solar eclipse in the south node in Libra, which was clearing past relationship entanglements and concepts that we have now outgrown. And we're now in the two weeks preceding the full moon eclipse at five degrees Taurus, which is happening on the 28th of October this weekend. So so this time is a tricky time to navigate, even if you are listening to this after the full moon eclipse in Taurus. You know, so what I'm saying is we've got to be gentle with each other. People are dealing with big stuff. So even if on the surface they might seem okay, I think we've got to have a uh, go softly and operate softly and uh, maybe just keep your thoughts to yourself in a smile, out of pleasantness moment, even though you might be raging. So um, anyway, whilst Rome burns, whilst the whole world around us burns anyway, and really thinking about the the idea of relationships and how, of course, we're, we're in a sort of war situation uh, or the war is in the headlines and it's like well that's that's one relationship that has outgrown its entanglement its contracts and maybe that wasn't fit for purpose in the first place but seriously that's what's coming up now isn't it and that might be coming up for us in in our personal lives but I was thinking about that that solar eclipse in Libra and of course I sat underneath it I went up to Santa Fe in America and sat in the woods on a veranda with my astrology group, uh, watching the eclipse through various um, optical equipment. And really, I tell you, those little glasses you get in the confectionery shop are just the best for that kind of, of you know, looking at the sun. They really do work, even though we had kind of a, um, a telescope and um, and binoculars with the proper visors on them. But anyway, so this eclipse is about the relationships and past relationships. And is it bringing up or would be bringing up the relationship conditioning we have, the conditioning we have to keep the harmony and perhaps keep the relationship going against all odds, against our better judgment or uh, what seemingly we might be feeling inside. And, and those kind of that kind of behavior is no longer appropriate. And the more you hang on, obviously, the harder it gets. You know, we can see that on a global level, of course. But I was also thinking that this eclipse must surely be affecting the Pluto in Libra generation sort of more than other people around. That generation when Pluto was in Libra, uh, people were born between 1971 and 1984. Those were the timelines. And that was a whole generation or a whole group of people that really 
wanted the picket fence or were kind of had sold into the idea that of marriage as the ideal and the 2.6 kids family and the whole picket fence thing was writ large for them. Relationships were an ideal for them. This would have manifested in many ways, especially, you know, when we kind of moved forward in things like same sex marriage, which is really good. But also the idea, you know, that Pete, I was working in the beauty industry and I met a lot of this generation who are just slightly younger than me. And it used, I used to have to, because I was in the beauty industry, go and talk to all these wine and dine them and have lunches with them where I would hear about the engagement, the ring, the hen party, the stag party, the trips abroad, the dress, the bridesmaids, the, the, you know, the event, the bridal shower, the list went on. And so I saw a lot of that happening for that Pluto in Libra generations. And obviously I'm talking about the women here. And because of my job, I've seen countless photos of endless engagement bridezilla stories. And of course, I loved it. I'm not saying it's bad, but it is a lot. And it was quite a fixation. You know, Pluto really makes it kind of, I have to have this wedding. I have to have all the trickery that goes with it. And um, I think now that I would be a really good wedding planner because I really know what goes down and how it all pans out. And obviously I was working in events as well, but also no way would I ever do that. You know, I'm from Generation X, the one before, and we didn't subscribe to that whole glory. You know, we had the pill from the Virgo, the Pluto um, conjunct Uranus in Virgo. We were revolutionaries and the pill had given our generation, my sort of 10 year time of Pluto, um, the freedom. And this was like a wave of absolute freedom and kind of being a bit, um, you know, anti-establishment. And but also that became toxic as well. So, you know, it might start out as a quite a good thing. Pluto lends power to things. But then after the power grows and grows, it almost the power corrupts and we see the toxicity in it and the way it has to then change. If you see what I mean, it's the power then brings it up to the surface and right now we've got the power to change it. So I do think perhaps that Pluto in Libra period or guys, that's a just over 10 years, um, 1971 to 1984 birth dates, that they might see their whole kind of ideal, the, the kind of harmonious Disney wedding marriage that they uh, were hoping on or moving towards might be deconstructing before their eyes. It might not necessarily be the actual marriage is deconstructing, but the idea of what they thought it would be deconstructing. And and, and that's ready to go now. Uh, and this is going to be in exchange for a massive dose of reality. And of course, the reality is in the next eclipse in Taurus on the other side. So, as I say, let's be gentle with each other. We don't know what others are going through. And of course, we are coming up or we are just had, depending on when you're listening to this, the full moon Taurus eclipse, encouraging us to be totally embodied and feel it in our bodies, to feel what is going on and recognize the reactions within ourselves, within our bodies and take ownership of it, you know, and take ownership of what's going into our bodies, be that food, medication, 
toxins, water and other people coming into our body. And I mean that in a sexual way as well. We have to take uh, responsibility and become embodied in that way that we can feel these things in our body and if our body's saying no, even if the head and the heart is saying yes, it's a big fat no. Because, of course, we've overridden those signals so many times and we have to look, you know, what's happening to our bodies if we haven't been embodied. And so many people must be experiencing the trauma of side effects from any of the above when they've kind of overridden their body's signals. There are always, you know, you know, we get a, the, the body, the cells have a memory. And this is Taurus kind of showing that the body holds the score. That's a book, isn't it? But of course, this is the last Taurus eclipse for nine years. And obviously the next one will be a south node Taurus eclipse in nine years and 18 years for the next north node one. So this is the last one of this set. And a, but also we have Uranus, crazy ass, surprise planet Uranus and the expansive planet Jupiter here in Taurus. I mean, wow. I mean, what a combination. So this is like a massive wake up call. This is a massive kind of surge of Taurian energy that we have to get to grips with in this eclipse. I think it's becoming more and more important to protect our physical cells from the hidden, and that would be the Scorpio end, pervasive corporosity. I can't say that word, um, the, the hidden corporate ideal of what they're bringing into our bodies the water, the food, the medication and the electromagnetic frequencies that are coming and surrounding us the, the whole time. And the idea then that we see that 75% of our food globally is made by six companies. And that's kind of like a monopoly that can't be good. And those those food companies are engineering these food, these processed foods as well, so that they are absolutely consumed to excess because they're utterly irresistible. They're made with flavor enhancers to make them utterly irresistible. That's such a Taurus energy. And of course, they're engineered to be quite addictive. And another statistic that I thought was quite profound was that one in five people globally get 80% of their food from ultra processed food. That's a lot, a lot of people, including that's globally. So, you know, if you think that was just America or just the UK, that is a lot of people uh, eating the most abhorrent diet because we know ultra processed food is just already food that's actually already been digested for you in a way. And I'm also looking at the the uh, recent news that Pfizer just bought Arena Pharmaceuticals for six point six billion. What do Arena Pharmaceuticals do? They make drugs for myocarditis, pericarditis, um, diffuse vasculitis. And these are obviously a consequence of um pharmaceutical injuries that we are seeing a prevalence of right now. So I think, you know, this embodiment, this Taurus full moon, I think is going to give the chance for a lot of those issues to come to a head and to be realised for us in humanity. And of course, this can play out over the next six months, not just on the day of the eclipse. On top of that, 
you know, we have Uranus here in Taurus and Uranus is sure to bring in vast amounts of electromagnetic radiation, nuclear radiation uh, from nuclear fusion, from communication, from satellites. You know, this is all coming pervasive around planet Earth. And I was driving home the other night and I saw the Starlink train, which looks quite cute, actually. It looks like Rudolph and his reindeer. But, you know, there's about 30 Starlinks going up into the sky and a neat little row following each other. And I guess you've seen it yourself. But first of all, you think, am I seeing aliens? And um, but it's like the nice little light points following each other. But of course, they're going up into orbit around us. And so we're creating this extra layer of electromagnetic photochemical ether around us. I don't know what it's called, but there's an extra layer of metal around us, certainly. So we do need to protect ourselves and be aware of what's happening to our bodies with this. Uh, protect ourselves, look after ourselves, look after our bodies and, you know, and then don't even get me started on the water. So you know that um, in previous Earth existence, Lemuria was destroyed by fire and the next Earth incarnation was Atlantis and that was destroyed very famously by water. And this current era, this current earth, we are supposed to be destroyed by air. That's the prediction. Anyway, air. And you can really imagine that, can't you, now, uh, from what I've just said as well. But I'm not sure if we're actually past the point where we were, we do get destroyed. I think we've got a long way to go. I think we passed the point of self-destruction on the 21st of December 2012 and that was the solstice that happened at 12-12 so we had a 12-12-2012 situation going on and I think that was what the end of the long count main calendar 26,000 year long calendar to restart the wobble as it was earth's wobble which is a 26,000 year wobble that goes around so Perhaps we have passed that point and we're not going to destroy ourselves by air. But that was the possibility. And I would love it if any of you guys know about that, you know, whether we have passed that point, whether Earth has transcended beyond the past point, the, beyond the point of self-destruction. I would like to hear about it. Hence, this lunar eclipse in Taurus is kind of the last kind of crack that lets the light in, that lets the new energies in, a juncture for new energies to allow us to or force us to take hold of this physical reality and understand more thoroughly what's going on and really feel it. But of course, that eclipse isn't just the only opportunity because, of course, the the new opportunity when Jupiter and Uranus, who are already in Taurus, meet in April 2024. I mean, that's kind of explosive. This is explosive for planet Earth. It's a kind of a nuclear, epic, volcanic, you know, conjunction of two big planets that want our enlightenment, that really, you know, Uranus is the planet of the Enlightenment and Jupiter is utterly expansive, but expansive so that we get to understand the higher and higher wisdom. I don't want to speak any volcanoes or nuclear explosions into existence. So I'm going to leave that one there. And of course, we'll be working on it nearer the time. So let's move to November 
and the first two weeks in November. Because early in November, there's like two yards, two kites going on. Um, so we've got, you know, a lot to deal with there. And Virgo is, uh, sorry, Venus is in Virgo. And she's reclaiming that tale of the position of the first kite that is headed by Neptune. And that's happening all the way through up to the 9th of November. This is, you know, Venus in Virgo is our particular heartfelt dedication to the daily minutiae and our and the health and our and our nourishment, which we may not think on a personal level is important. But really, it is the driver to that next dimensional doorway, which is on the opposition to Venus in Virgo. It is the Neptune in Pisces, where it's opening up and dissolving and drawing us into something we know not what. So I say to you, it does matter what you do. It matters how you behave and how you spend your time and the dedication you put into the advancements, into your rituals and making them a little, giving them some blessing, giving them some sacred element and purity and improving the small things so that you're becoming nourished by these small little acts of goodness, by your you know, the nourishment you receive from food, friends and just your lifestyle. This Venus in Virgo is really kind of being specific and allowing you to create beauty there in your daily lives. At the same time of as this kite and other kites, we start November and the first three weeks of November with some major oppositions, which are going to be the personal planets in Scorpio. And that's the Sun, Mars and Mercury and also asteroids just as as a casual look into that is Isis, there's the cosmic mother, Perseus, the saviour. And then we have Ceres and she is about our nourishment, obviously, of our bodies. And then we have Osiris. He is uh, for us to remember about the Earth and our connection to it. And of course, there'll be other asteroids, but that's that's quite a crowd in the kind of scorpionic underworld. And in the opposite, in this opposition that's lasting three weeks, we have Jupiter and Taurus in, uh, sorry, Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus, which I've already described the empowerment of Mother Earth and the dynamic evolution these two are creating. So you can see that the personal qualities of the personal planets in Scorpio, the Scorpio shadow are coming up, our own shadow, because these are personal planets. It's our disquiet or distant memories in antagonism to the changing planet in the Taurus side, the physicality and the rumblings of the new earth and what that means to us physically. And on the 2nd of November, the sun actually makes an opposition to Jupiter at 10 degrees. So this is the sun in Scorpio in that underworld, highlighting that subconscious darkness uh, with Jupiter expansive in Taurus, the Earth. The 
the, the sun is highlighting that subconscious and our misgivings towards the mis the expansive trek forward of our plans in Taurus. Where where are we going with this? Are we going with the 15 minute cities, the food grown in the air, limited energy supplies and and, you know, selective people allowed to access them? The debate here might reach a peak around this time or certainly a backlash to maybe the new in insect diet or whatever is coming around at this time because feelings and the subconscious awareness around this is going to be feeling strong and you know if any one of you have had some insect steaks or cornflakes um yeah let me know get in touch and let me know how that was i want to i want to hear what the insect diet looks and tastes like so on the third or 4th of November, depending on where you are in the world, 4th in the UK, 3rd in the USA, 4th in Australia, Saturn finally goes direct. Now, Saturn has been sitting at zero degrees Pisces, which is kind of quite an important, any zero degrees is an important point of beginning, of enthusiasm, of almost naivety as well about what's to come in that sign. So Saturn is sitting at the beginning of bringing structure to the oppressed in Pisces or to the lost or the people who have not really self-actualized in a way or need leadership. And where before they may have been fed from, um, you know, sorry, where they've been kind of been um, looked after by the corporates since obviously Pluto is sitting on sat in Saturn's home. So there is that idea here that, you know, of the actual corruption that goes on that within the whole corporate world and the governments, because Saturn's home is being shown to have corruption in it. And now it's in Pisces. So Saturn direct now has the opportunity to develop better structures but it's also got to identify those that are lost or oppressed sort of the and also actually the alternative health and the alternative healing that is you know part of Pisces area of healing and empathy and psychic esoteric studies and also the help for women as well so with Saturn going direct this zero degree it's kind of this is for force to come forward so you know, I see that Saturn's modus operandi is like to deconstruct what is not fit for a long standing structure. And then he sees that, deconstructs it, but then rebuilds it to make good. Remember, Saturn is the master builder. Although at the time, we might not feel it is actually like when the builders come in, you're like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to live through this at the time? And but you do. And you're so glad when it's done. And where Saturn is concerned, remember, it's it is a hardship and a challenge. And so you to make a small dedication to Saturn is going to pay so many dividends, you know, to let him know that you are happy to do the right thing and make that dedication, whether that is in lighting a candle or offering some money to a charity or doing something that, you know, you're saying to Saturn, I'm happy to do the right thing, even if it is a harder thing to do, or I'm happy to do the right thing, even if no one is looking and not tell anyone and then ask for his support. 
because that's what he does to make things. You're doing the right thing, even against all odds. And so here, hidden turning direct here is, I think, a real opportunity for anyone who feels they haven't got their life together. Yes. So moving on to the 5th of November, Mercury steps right onto the 22 degrees Scorpio point and thereby creates another kite. So we've already got the kite that's headed up by Neptune. This is the kite that's headed up by Mercury in Scorpio. So it's, there's two kites in the sky, which are incredibly dynamic. And Mercury here, he is in an opposition to Uranus, crazy ass Uranus in Taurus. And the sides of this kite are Venus and Pluto. So Venus and Pluto are in a nice trine, an exact trine, comes more intense. So one of these kites is obviously headed up by Neptune. And it's this is the dissolving of reality and the programming and opening us up to a new reality. And that goes on until the 9th of November. Um, but this is this kite has been on and off active since August. So it's kind of like that we keep getting these bursts of energy to push us through into the shift our dimensional reality with Neptune here in Pisces and coming to the end of its journey in the next few years of, of being in Pisces where we have this opportunity to open up, to go deeper or go beyond so here, Mercury at the head of this one is here until the 8th of November. And this is like learning the secrets in Scorpio of the underworld, learning what's really going on that isn't always said. Mercury is going to find out. Mercury wants the information. Mercury is going to make the connections going deep into the data, the systems, the negotiations that we can't see on the surface. So this could reveal some really exciting revelations with both kites active at the same time. So this one ends on the 8th and the uh, Neptune one ends on the 9th of November. So this this new kite with Mercury at the top in Scorpio and its sides of Venus and Pluto. Venus is in Virgo, Pluto is in Capricorn, so Earth signs, and they make an exact trine on the 28th, uh, oh, sorry, at 28 degrees on the 6th of November. And so those two together, those are really powerfully aligned, um, and, uh, powerful, positive action of absolute efficiency and together that's 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 you know really powerful and quite awesome to have this aligned action with this kite so then on the 8th of november then venus actually does move step over the border of virgo into libra and of course libra is her home sign or one of them because she's also queen of taurus too and of course, you know, with the eclipse just happening in Libra and now Venus arriving here, we can think, oh, my God, haven't we had enough Libra activity? Haven't we had enough Scorpio activity? But let's see, you know, Venus here in Libra maybe is, is going to be emphasizing the beauty, the harmony and the potentials for peace. You know, can Venus in Libra bring about the peace? Even if it is a fragile peace, it would be a beginning. And perhaps when she gets to the eclipse point, maybe she brings her own soothing balm here to, you know, remember that the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, he, 
and also the birth horoscope of the state of Israel both have key aspects on the Libra eclipse point. And here, so Venus coming along hopefully will be the balm that we so desperately, urgently need to bring about some sort of harmony that Libra is really well known for. And then on the 10th of November, we have Mercury then also crossing, we call it an ingress, into Sagittarius. And therefore, at the naught degree of Sagittarius is going to make a square to Saturn in Pisces, who Saturn is now direct, of course, from earlier in the around the 4th, 3rd, 4th of November. So Mercury here in Sagittarius, like extra conversations, forcing some of these dialogue about the support for the oppressed, the Swatan in Pisces. And so really bringing about something to has to be said now. Mercury in Sagittarius can't really shut up. <laughs> and in this climate of people, you know, everyone's becoming an expert in the Middle East situation. You know, maybe there is some really high level conversations that can start and start to make some sense because it just seems to be going backward about who started it and, you know, you know what who really are the characters are involved what is the truth and so mercury and sagittarius is really is able to dig that out now in a square to saturn in um pisces and and i kind of have a query about this you know personal query you know when there was the protests happening um a weekend or so ago the marches they some of them were calling for a jihad and obviously i see a jihad as a holy war. And we've obviously seen that play out in quite violent terms of beheadings and acts acts of real violence. And at this point, the mainstream media were going, oh, no, calling for jihad is just meant we should all come together in peace. So they're kind of twisting that that protestation. And then there was the protest saying free Palestine, which I take it to mean free Palestine from oppression, oppression, just as you would say, stop apartheid, you know. And and but now, now they say, no, 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 free Palestine is meaning, you know, death to the Israelis. And it's like, wow, how, how can you kind of twist the meaning of both of those those statements to mean to mean something completely? completely more complex and deeper and really not what what it has its original meaning so those kind of dialogues are going on in social media even so imagine what they're happening on a higher level and so i think that mercury in sagittarius may well or hopefully bring some truth to some of those conversations that are happening and Mercury, of course, is going to be a while in Sagittarius and we do want peace talks to happen and we pray that that does happen. But also, you know, plus all our Western governments seem to be gunning for war uh, without, you know, scorpionic, without uh, gunning for war, without a mandate from the people. Um, this makes me sick, actually, that this is happening, that our governments are taking us into these situations like their kids are having a spat and they can't really discuss it any longer. So they just send in the send in the military and perhaps their rhetoric here, you know, Mercury and Sagittarius really bringing it up for us to see, you know, they're going to turn up the dial up of all their rhetoric to the destructive rhetoric to it's just bilge, isn't it? 
It's just horrific that they feel like this is the answer. Yes, we're going to support with war and military action. I really, you know, before they even go, we want to bring peace. I've really noticed that this time. Everyone stepped up to the war agenda. Agenda, sorry. And although we do have Mercury in Sagittarius on the 11th of November, so the day after that Mercury lands in Sagittarius, the day after Mars makes an opposite, Mars in Scorpio, um, god of war, makes an opposition to Uranus in Taurus. And now that's that is that's like a massive Mexican standoff of high tension and it's loaded antagonism. These are the firecrackers. And I really hope they don't explode. But it is quite a dark agenda here. It is quite forceful. So we've got to be prepared mid-November that um, things are going to be going on at such a high intensity around war and around the rhetoric that surrounds it. And then jumping forward to the 13th of November or two days over, there is a new moon in Scorpio. Now, hmm, now I'm thinking about this new moon because this new moon is exact on my moon. It's exact on my south node and it's exact on my Neptune. So this new moon is definitely from my own underworld, my own misgivings, my own shadow and subconscious to come out large. And, um, you know, something from the depths of my wicked past, because it's a south node, might come crawling out of the woodwork. And of course, this new moon in Scorpio at 20 degrees is actually conjunct Mars. Mm, whoopsie. I am quite scared about this. Um, you know, it, it is the... <laughs> Is the Gaza Strip scared? Is Israel scared? I mean, gosh, actually, the new moon conjunct Mars is frighteningly dark. It really is quite powerful there. But, you know, only if you're prepared, you know, I will say if you if it's going dark, go darker. Let, let's go and see what is in there. Let's go and see what seeds are being planted. Let's go and see what our subconscious is talking or speaking about, what, what's lying low there and bring it out and, and let's have it. <laughs> and so Mars here on this new moon in Scorpio is kind of bringing it around to eclipse proportions of energy. It's really Mars has the ability to dig really deep and go right for the exact point you want to get to, to bring about something that you, you know, the seed that's been planted there to bring it about to, to see what's really going on, what's really running your subconscious here. So perhaps also in this larger scale of the global machinations, perhaps we're going to go deep into the underhand negotiations that, you know, hopefully then to bring up a plum. You know, this is shadow work where we can eke out some of those monsters and they can show, we can see something of really what is going on here. We can see a dark agenda happening before our eyes. Um, and also, I'm kind of going deep and dark here. You know, Scorpio is also very sexy, you know, on the same level. And but going back to the war thing, you know, Israel, the state of Israel, its um, horoscope, it has Chiron at 21 degrees Scorpio. So that's that's exactly right on this new moon. And so can you imagine the pain of Chiron in Scorpio in its first house here? 
That's unimaginable depths of pain buried in the psyche of a whole group of people and of deep in their subconscious. And as I say, in their first house. So therefore, it's a very lived experience. They're carrying it for all to, sh to see. And we know that very much so. So this new moon in Scorpio conjunct Mars could could be quite angry and could be really triggering for Israel because it could make Israel relive that pain. But also we know that, you know, we don't want that to happen, obviously. Uh, we don't want to cause pain to anyone. We want peace. But I would say that, you know, Chiron is the master healer. And as much as Israel has this in its first house in a deep subconscious way, you know, Chiron has the ability now to then bring it to mastery of healing. So I really hope that this, the healing aspect of Chiron comes about and that it really does bring about something far deeper than just surface peace talks. It brings about an understanding of what what misgivings and disquiet and self-sabotage is really going on there as well. And this is such a huge opportunity, really, to bring that pain into a huge healing salve. But also at the same time, Pluto is hanging around Israel's IC, which means its roots. So things do have to change. You know, Pluto is, as we know, astrologically speaking, Pluto says evolve or die. So Israel has to re-create um, its platform. So I wish and I pray for peace here. And um, I hope we all kind of keep that peace vibration. So whenever we think of what our warmongering heads of state are kind of or trying to bring about, you know, my dad, he's from Belfast and I've been I've been to Northern Ireland in the Troubles so many times and dividing any place any geographical place into two places where one can't go into the other or building walls. I'm really not a fan of build the wall. You know, it's not the answer. And we have to learn to live together in peace, even though we have different religions, different cultures, different points of view, and one cannot suppress the other. Um, I'm, I've seen that as a lived experience myself. So, we are knowing that this is an explosive, dark new moon and really can be the um, trigger point for something because Mars is there deep in the subconscious. So hopefully it triggers some healing for Israel. Um, but also I was on a, on a completely different note that this new moon is actually bang on my ex-boyfriend's uh, son in, in, um, in Scorpio. So he has this because that's his birthday. He has this incredible energy for his solar return. So it's going to this new moon energy on conjunct Mars is going to last all year for him. It's going to flavor his year because the solar return does flavor the year. And he's kind of quite famous actor in Hollywood. So I'm going to be checking in to see what films he's coming out. You know, he has kind of his whole thing, he specializes in bomb the White House, save the president kind of movies. So perhaps there's going to be an endless supply of new stories around these current wars, the Ukraine war, the Israeli, the Gaza. Oh, my God, there's so many possibilities here to to keep that fed. But I hope that plays out in a very creative way for him. Anyway, we want to keep our 
peace vibe. Um, yes, there's going to be an underworld, underhand rising. Yes, we're going to see the dark machinations that we possibly hadn't seen before. And yes, we need to see them. We need this. This is like a second Halloween, but more of a political sense as well. Um, and also within our personal lives, we need to see what shadow people are operating in. Um, but we course by now, we know we have to stay in our vibrational lane, so to speak, and to stay away from the fear and keep our love vibration really strong. So remember, you know, Venus now is in Libra and she's going to be Libra throughout this. So she wants us to go in peace and stay in the beauty way. So thanks for listening and hopefully catch you next time. Goodbye.